This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's uh, fantastic to uh, go into or win games against uh, obviously last year's champions, a fantastic team. Um, and we've had good results over the, over the last couple of years. Uh, playing different systems, but this time, we, you know, we play on our terms as well. We've, we've found a way that we believe in, the players believe in, and we're getting stronger and stronger. Mentality to to, uh, to come back, uh, being 1-0 down, we've shown that so many times this season. And I feel physically as well, we're stronger and stronger, uh, and uh, we last the games much more. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer speaking after Man United beat Liverpool 3-2 to advance into the fifth round of the FA Cup. Off the ball with me, Ross, on a Monday evening. I hope everyone's happy in lockdown. Well, for me, it's been a great day. I wonder why. (laughs) Craig Wilkie is here. He's smiling. I wonder how he feels inside. Hello, Craig. (laughs) Good evening, Ross. I'm absolutely delighted to be here, as you might imagine. I believe you. I believe, Craig. <laughs> Nicholas Arnold is also here. What's up, Nick? What's up, Ross? I see you got your social t-shirt on. Oh, well, I didn't notice that. <laughs> I must have just accidentally thrown nice. that one on. Uh, Goglin is, joins us in his Aston Villa top. Hello, Gogs. All right. How's everyone? It's been a while. Good to it's- be back. And I see the... I mean, I was just getting to the walking around the house uh, area and I see a lot of new jerseys out this year. I, I, I forgot what the United jersey looked like this season. <laughs> it's funny how every time Aston Villa do all right, he comes back on the show, isn't it? Oi, oi, oi. Don't jinx it. <laughs> Find us all individually on Twitter or you can tweet at BFM Radio. Also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And we have a YouTube channel out it is tfif on video do check out our friday previews all right then we heard ollie at the start man united three liverpool two i'm coming to the liverpool fan first um good game i know you chose to stay up to watch the league encounter but we were saying off air when both managers actually have to win a tie both teams are well capable of, of, of putting on a spectacle they are. Well, you can thank me because I did you all a favor by if I stay up, it's obviously going to be a nil nil. If I go to bed, then we'll get a three two thriller, which is. <laughs> <laughs> which so you're is, working, is... <laughs> working on the fantasy football premise as well, right? <laughs> Some, something like that. Um, but as, as you say, have, having reviewed the highlights, it looked like a very good game. Uh, Manchester United, I think I have to go and give so much credit to Ollie because I've been a critic of his. In the past, I was a critic when he was given the job. I was a critic last season when it wasn't entirely clear to me what he was trying to do, other than just bring a bit of positivity back to the place. Even at the start of this season, I don't think I was alone in sending some criticism his way because results were still inconsistent. And more to the point, performances were still inconsistent as well. But you look over the course of the past two, three months and the run that Manchester United have been on, and you can only give him credit for that because those results don't lie over that period of time. He's got those players playing in a way that seems to work for them. He's built up some momentum now. You can see the confidence with which they were playing. And that, for me, was the big factor last night, is that those Manchester United players went out and they truly believed that they were capable of beating Liverpool. 
You and they went I... out and, and, they, and they showed that. And I think there's that confidence around the place. And yes, for Liverpool, Klopp came out. I think it was a very honest assessment he gave of the game that mm. Liverpool went back to their best, but much better than they have been in, in the last few weeks, perhaps. Good to see Salah getting back on the score sheet and so on. But Manchester United were the better side. I thought, from start to finish. I tell and, you what. Uh, I, 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 I'm sorry, sorry. I disagree with that after watching that game. This, I mean, I, I, I'll let you finish, Ross, and I'll come in on my part of the game. Well, then don't interrupt when I'm speaking. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> radio, for goodness sake. I'm not editing it no, out, by the way. <laughs> As you shouldn't. I, I, no, I was just going to say, I have been Luke Shaw's biggest critic for the last what two seasons saying he's been overweight he's useless can't defend and he's been the best man united player in the last three games for me he's been solid he's he's now balancing this is what happens when you sign competition in the squad <laughs> all right let's move on to gogs why do you think they weren't worthy of the win why do you think they weren't no, the well i they weren't worthy. I wouldn't say worthy of the winner, but I wouldn't say they were the better side in the game because I watched that match and I said Liverpool were doing all the running, all the playing, all the football. United's game plan was soak it in and hit on the counter. Two long balls over the top. That's it. You do that in any other game, there's not a game plan. That is just soak, 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 hit the ball over the top. We had defenders carrying. And you know Liverpool's defence right now. If Reese Williams didn't touch that ball, it's just balls over the top because they've got pace. That is their game plan. Pogba got uh, nicked off the ball three, four times. This is Pogba. Any other player, you're going to get bollocks. That, but that's it. That's that's the Liverpool United game. I didn't see them playing good football until Fernandez, Bruno, Bruno came on, and mm. that was just. Otherwise, it was just soak, soak, soak. Liverpool did all the play, but hit them on the counter. Hit them on the counter. Ball I, I over have, the top. Hit them with pace. I have to admit, when Salah equalised, I thought Liverpool were in the ascendancy, and if any team was going to win it, then it, it would have been the away side. But but Nicholas Arnold, just just looking at Liverpool. And and that Rashford goal when the mistake was uh, was made, um, do you think they need to sign a defender? Uh, I mean, they they're waiting for Martip and 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 Virgil Van Dijk to come back and all that. But you can see how and why Klopp plays Henderson back there, can't you? Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate that Henderson had to miss out. I think uh, because of a slight muscle injury. Yeah. And young uh, Reese Williams came in. Uh, I thought he was he was okay right up to the point where he failed to intercept that pass. Uh, he did all right, uh, but that that has been the main thing, right, for for Liverpool ever since you know uh, Virgil Van Dijk got injured and then followed by Matip. It's 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 the defensive uh, uh, frailties that have costed them uh, matches. I thought uh, going forward they were brilliant, like like Gok said. Uh, I thought they they dominated the match and it felt almost like a smash and grab uh, from uh, Liverpool's perspective. Because the second half, I felt that uh, Liverpool were totally uh, dominating the match. And, you know, uh, that, that free kick pretty much was a match, a deserved match winner simply because of the quality of the strike, the technical brilliance to execute and the intelligence uh, to find that bottom corner. But uh, overall, Liverpool for me were on the ascendancy and uh, it was just unfortunate that they were undone by that magical free kick. Um, okay. I think... Um, yeah, but moving forward, club doesn't have much time if he wants to look for a reinforcement. You know, he's got uh, a couple less days. Well, this is Six it. Days. Yeah. Yeah. So, Craig, do you think in this week Liverpool need to sign a centre back? I'm throwing is this out there. Yeah, Alaba contract uh, expires end of the season. You go in now with a what 20, 30 million pound bid for, and you can get Alaba right now, probably, maybe. I don't know. We're thinking. 
seems to me it would be a very good idea to try and sign a centre back. The the impression that I'm getting is that it doesn't look that likely to happen. No. That's just the way I'm I'm reading the reports that are that are coming out of the club right now. I actually think that the real issue with Van Dyke injury and Matip to, to a lesser extent is the way it's disrupted the team further up the park as well. Because as you were mentioning, the fact is you have to go and put Fabinho in there. Sometimes you're going to have to play Henderson in there. That's actually really detracting from the midfield as well. So it's not just about how you fill in at the back and whether you have the right amount of cover. It's does it then have an effect in other areas of the park as well. And I think we've seen Thiago, I thought he had an okay game from what I saw in the highlights last night, but it's maybe taken him a little bit longer to adjust to the pace of English football than we might have hoped and we might have expected. So that midfield is not quite functioning as well as we would hope as Liverpool fans. I'm not sure. I think that's an issue as well. Yeah, I'm not sure if the deepest midfield uh, line role is the one for for uh, Thiago. You know what I mean? I, I'd play him exactly. Slightly. So yeah. So it would be it'd be a different equation if Henderson or Fabinho were playing regularly yeah, alongside him. Absolutely. That that might free him up to play a slightly different role. So there's that impact on the side as well from the Van Dyke injury. All right. More about- touching on what Craig, uh, touching on what Craig said, the ref- the midfield is key in this game because of the personnel being uh, detrimental to midfield right now and being pushed back to defense. This is what Villa did when when Villa played them. We soaked it and hit them on the counter. Every yeah. team is going to do that against Liverpool unless the midfield closes them down. Mm. And and you 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 factor in this season the the fullbacks haven't been as effective as well, and and that's quite exactly, massive. Yeah. Um, All right, we'll talk more about Liverpool and Man United later. Let's move on with the FA Cup fourth round weekend then. The holders are out. Southampton won. Arsenal nil. Uh, It was an own goal in the end. Uh, Gabriel turned in Kyle Walker-Peters' cross in the 24th minute. It was enough to knock Arsenal out, Nicholas Arnil. Uh, The holders leaving with a whimper. Yeah, and uh, I... uh... Arteta described it as a sad, uh, a sad day uh, that the club, uh, you know, had to exit in such manner. But uh, I thought Southampton were good money for their win. Uh, Arsenal just looked out of sorts. Uh, all the good work which they had done in the league, you know, came undone in this match. Uh, they they just did not match Southampton's intensity uh, up front. None of their players were performing. You know, it still baffles me how. Uh, the amount of talent that Arsenal have up front, and, and yet they can't seem to combine with each other to, to, to generate any sort of uh, attacking uh, threat uh, going forward. You know, you look at William, who's been a shadow of the player that he was last season. I thought when he came to Arsenal uh, this year, he was arguably the biggest signing of the season just based on his form with Chelsea last year. Even and after the first game, you thought that? Yeah, exactly. And you look at Pepe and, and, you know, second half, Arteta brought on the big guns and yet they couldn't salvage this match at all. And it would really hurt him, uh, Arteta. Looking at the form that Arsenal were in in the last few league games, you know, he thought he had a momentum going and, you know, to face uh, a Southampton side uh, that just had Danny Ings back, you know, uh, in business after uh, being hit by COVID and to go out in, in, uh, in this manner through an own goal will, will really hurt him. Yeah, uh, I mean, not that we're ignoring Southampton here. Very well done to them. But I reckon Arteta having naming two goalkeepers on the subs bench is a little bit of a message <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe. But Craig, Arsenal shouldn't have struggled because Arteta called on the tried and tested here. Like Nick said, it was Willian, championship winning Willian, right? You, you got Nicolas Pepe signed for what, 77 million pounds? Um, these are players who, who should be able to lift their game away at Southampton, right? 
should be, but that's that's exactly what the problem has been at Arsenal, has it not? And if you look at the recent good run that they've been on, it's precisely because Arteta has changed it up a little bit. It's since the the kids and the younger players have come in, the likes of Saka, the likes of, likes of Smith Rowe, that they've brought that energy, they brought that intensity, just as Nick was saying, to to match the likes of Southampton, and that's where the good run has come from. So it's, it was interesting to me that as soon as those youngsters returned to the bench or weren't in the starting lineup, then we saw that slightly more ponderous Arsenal. We saw the slower build-up. We saw more difficulty in trying to create space in the final third and create chances. And actually, I thought overall it was it was a fairly poor game. Southampton yeah. edged it, but there, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of a lot of incident or or much to get excited about. But if you look at it from Southampton's point of view, it just affirms what a good season that, that they're having. And yeah. they're reaching a consistency of performance now, which is, which is really impressive. And they're, you know, I think those players are going out and giving seven, eight out of 10 performances and eight or nine of them in the team every week. And once you get up to that level, you become a very difficult team to beat. And that's how Southampton look to me right now. Yeah, they, they, they were very, very good. And, and that's, that's a massive credit to uh, Ralph Hasenhuttel and, and the job he's doing there. Uh, the press are reporting that it's a done deal. Martin Odegaard to Arsenal from Real Madrid on loan for the rest of the season with an option to buy. Apparently, it's a £1.8 million fee. So that would be something. Competition for Smith Rowe in that position now that uh, Ozil has gone. All right, let's swiftly move along uh, with our FA Cup review. West Ham are looking like they might fancy an uh, FA Cup run. West Ham 4, Doncaster Rovers nil. 4 Nels, Yamalenko, Butler, and the young kid, Ophalayan, with the goals <laughs> for Moises West Ham. Um, expansive football, Nicolas Arnold. They're looking great. Yeah, and I think this is, this is the, the type of performance that Moise would, would uh, uh, demand from his players, you know. Uh, West Ham now seem to have a great opportunity to go far in the FA Cup. They've taken that league form and they've brought it to the cup. You know, um, it, it helped that they faced the side uh, like Doncaster, who are League One side, a side that did not pose as much problem. Um, and um, you know, Moyes even had the luxury of uh, resting a lot of his players. Yeah. Eklan Rice was arrested. Uh, Mikal Antonio, who's been on form, was rest- arrested. Aaron Cresswell was arrested as well. So uh, for him to come away with this big win. Uh, it will definitely give him a lot of confidence uh, and energy side. But uh, what I would like to see from West Ham is that they sort out their their striking problem. So mm. Yamalenko played up front. He was the lone striker. He scored a goal. Uh, but Yamalenko has not contributed as much to West Ham. You know, he's such he, a talented player. He should player. have got more than one in that game. Yeah, sure. exactly. And I think every time he plays for West Ham, he's got the capability of scoring. It's just that, you know, he's been inconsistent set with injuries. Uh, uh, but it's good to know that he's back in the team and they yeah, have yeah. options at this point. In Yamalenko's defence, centre-forward probably is in his role. He's probably most effective coming off the right. But West Ham show incredible depth to be able to feel the likes of Lanzini, Yamalenko. I mean, German, all as res- supposed reserves. And they, they're good. And they face Man United in round five at Old Trafford. We're off for our first break. You stick with us. More FA Cup right after this. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Immediate thrust. 
recognizable certainty and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Back with Craig Wilkie, Goglin, and Nicholas Arnold looking back at the weekend's FA Cup fourth round. Cheltenham one, Man City three. Goglin, this one was actually a good game if, if you watched it. Um, Cheltenham town. Look really good for the money for what 78 minutes. You thought, Hello, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I know, right? It's going to be one of the biggest shots of the draw, anyway, the round. But you know, what I was reading the highlights of the game, anyway, and chose us uh, goal line clearance and all that. But City came up good when they needed to, pulled up late, up late sticks. Foden, well, you, I mean. These are the type of games that you're feeling players that you need to get game time on, you know, for against the types of Cheltenham and all that stuff. And City are showing what they're capable of against, like earlier on the West Ham game. Also, you said against Doncaster and what you said about the depth they have. Those are the things that you show that come alive during the FA Cup. Yep, absolutely. They came within nine minutes of one of the biggest FA Cup shocks in recent history anyway. 72 places between Cheltenham and Man City. We've got to give... Craig Wilkie, we've got to give Elfie May a shout out here because <laughs> he played well. It was a good goal as well. That was a great goal. A real poacher's finish, the way he nipped in and just flicked the ball into the net. Another one for me, I, just such a disappointment that there wasn't a crowd there to you know yeah. savour that moment yeah. and, and all of that stuff. But there was something really lovely before the game where Pep was asked about the prospect of changing you know, in those changing rooms or in the bar or something because of the, the restrictions. And he said, you know... What's, what's the big deal? We're, we're all from Cheltenham, was the, was the phrase that he used. And what he meant was, we've all, you know, we didn't grow up jetting around in private jets and playing in these big stadiums. You know, we, we, we kind of, we're the fortunate ones who've come from there and, and made it in the game. And we should never forget our roots like that. And it was a really beautiful way to kind of mark that moment. And I think mm. the way to respond to the question. And it, I, I think a lot of the Premier League managers, I saw Mourinho do it in the previous round, have actually been really respectful of the tournament in that regard yeah. and, and really appreciative of, of these smaller clubs and the efforts that they're making to try and you know, get these games on in difficult circumstances and all of that. And these players actually realizing that, yeah, you know, we're, we're so fortunate to do what we do and we'll be as well paid and all of that kind of stuff. But let's be humble about it and not forget kind of where we came from. And we played in very humble circumstances, you know, at the start of our careers. So I thought it was a really nice touch from Pep. Yeah, uh, you bet your bottom dollar that, that Cheltenham are on a high right now, despite losing. Uh, it's not just about the ladies' college and the horse racing then, Cheltenham Town. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask about that. <laughs> no, the guys were saying on Which Friday <laughs> that the football is putting Cheltenham on the map this weekend. <laughs> but um, a little bit about City, Nicholas Arnil. Um, big picture, Pep is getting them firing, despite the injuries. We haven't seen much of Aguero this season. We hear De Bruyne now is out for a period of time. Um, despite all that, he's getting the results. They're looking ominous, dare I say. Yeah, that's exactly it, Ross. Um, they have been dealing or uh, coping without Sergio Aguero for the longest time. And you know how many goals a season Aguero gives you year, uh, season in, season out? You know, add to that, Gabriel Jesus as well has been in and out of the team. And so he's been forced to sort of tinker, make changes, you know. Uh, but he's got them all performing and, and performing at the highest level. And, and for me, at this point, Phil Foden is the man that has made City tick so well. Yeah. Uh, when David Silva left last season, I think the big question was who was going to fill his boots? And I think you have your answer right here. 
It's yeah. it's it's Phil Foden. You know, he's he's probably the first name that Pep puts out when he puts his team out. Um, and you know, with 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 his prowess, he can not only create goals; he's also got a few goals in in the last few games. And I think this is where that uh, City have depth, where you get all these players chipping in for goals. Because if you look, even Raheem Sterling has not been scoring at mm. the rate that mm. he's been used to be scoring. And so you know, goals have have come from the likes of Foden, uh, Bernardo Silva has been chipping in. Ilke Gundogan, a player almost yeah. more than a couple of seasons. His best back. season so far. Easy. Yeah, he's, he's scored a couple of goals as well. So, you know, uh, credit to Pep, you know, getting all these players to contribute uh, with the goals. All right. Well done, City. Well done, Cheltenham as well, for putting on a, a show uh, and love the long throw game. I love that throwback football. I, I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, Chelsea 3, Luton Town 1, a Tammy Abraham hat trick, Goglin, but Timo Werner still can't score. Even if you give him a penalty, he still can't score. So, how, how, how long do you think uh, Lampard's got anyway? I mean, the amount of money he spent. I know he's Mr. Chelsea and he'll probably get till the end of the season, if you ask me. But, you know, any other manager who spent that kind of money is going to be in a lot of trouble. But Chelsea will do what Chelsea does. They probably do have a good cup run. And, you know, that'll be enough for Lampard this season, if you ask me. The guys were saying, Craig Wilkie, on Friday that, you know, uh, Ancelotti, didn't he do the double at Chelsea and then get dismissed? Uh, I, <laughs> will winning the FA Cup be enough to save Frank Lampard? Will he make, will he make the season for you? It's a very good question. As you say, win, lose or draw, you can be under pressure at Chelsea quite quickly. And there's no question that Lampard is not immune to that just because of the fact that he's a club legend. He, and he knows that himself, right? He's a smart enough guy to appreciate that if you go out and spend $200 million in the summer, that comes with a certain level of expectation at any club, never, never mind at Chelsea. I think the unfortunate thing for Frank is that, as you were mentioning with Werner, for example, some of those signings haven't quite fired as yet. And it, and it was obvious in that, in that game. And obviously, Lampard played him in the hope that he would get a goal, give him some of that confidence back. You know, against, but he, to me, he just looked a bit sluggish. He wasn't very sharp. Uh, he was trying to bring players into play, but it wasn't really happening for him. So he's definitely a player who's suffering from a crisis of confidence. Absolutely. Lampard, I think he probably will survive to the end of the season, but who knows beyond that? Yeah, Timo Werner. Uh, I mean, if, you're, if you've been given a penalty, you're, you're, you're really wanting a goal. Just smash it down the middle, man. <laughs> For goodness sake. Oh. But, um, okay, a, a quick word about Tammy Abraham here, Nicholas Arnil. He, got, he bagged himself a hat-trick. But if you look at that game, at, he should have had five minimum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I thought it was, a, it, was a, it was a good performance by Abraham. He took his chances, majority of his chances. For me, it was a fairly simple hat-trick, you know. Uh, none of the goals were too outstanding. But um, this, this exactly uh, exemplifies why uh, Lampard should start with Abraham. Because he's been tinkering with that, with that uh, focal striker, right? He, he played Giroud there. He played uh, Werner there. And, and none of them seemed to, to rub off. But, you know, Abraham, you know, he's, he's alert. You know, he's good in the air. And, you know, just based on statistics alone, if you look at last season, he's got 18 goals. This season, he's already got 11 goals. So, I think Lampard should, you know, determine that that, that front striker and, and stick to it. I know he's paid a lot of money for Werner and he feels the obligation to start the German uh, as in as many games as possible. But if it's not paying off, perhaps, you know, get him to come off the bench and start with Abraham. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, Callum Hudson-Odoi uh, needs yeah. to start more games because as soon as he came on, you could see it was, it was a whole different dimension. 
Very good player. All right. Chelsea progress. Whether Frank does for how long, we, we wait and see. Um, Brentford won, Leicester City three. At half time, it was Brentford won, Leicester nil. We all thought, hello, are we on for our first shock of the weekend? Uh, but Brentford, at the end of the day, bridge too far, Googlin. Uh Leicester just showed the quality, didn't they? Yeah, I watched that first half and it was, you know, Brentford were really up for it and were good value for their lead. And then suddenly that Madison magic in the, what, 49 seconds, 50 seconds in and it's, uh, it all goes to the pot. So yeah, the quality showed through the ring. But I, I, I was with you, I thought there was going to be a shock because they were really good value for their lead in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. Thomas Frank is doing incredible work, uh, Craig Wilkie, at Brentford. We were saying, or the guys were saying on, on Friday, they're the ultimate money ball side. They will <laughs> continue. But when you stop doing that, say, say Brentford gets to the promised land, to the Premier League, are they going to still keep doing that, that system? Surely there comes a point where you, you start developing players and, and you know what I mean? Get, getting a bit of loyalty in there. Presumably, I, I, let, let's wait and see if, yeah. if and when it happens. I'm jumping I mean, they, a bit ahead. <laughs> I mean, they, they are in a good position in the championship right now. I think I think they're in fourth, but they're only two points off second place with a game in hand, something like that. And the the good thing for Brentford's point of view is that they've been there or thereabouts for a few years now. This is a project that's been building over time, and you can see that they've been making progress, right? So if they do get to the Premier League. I don't think they'll, they'll change their approach significantly, at least till they see how they can try and bed in at that level and, and try and take the club on. But there's no question that they've come a long way in a relatively short period of time. And so what they're doing right now has been successful. The question is, can, can it take them as far as the promised land, as you say? Um, but they're not far away from it at all right now. And this was probably a good gauge for them when you come up against a, a top-class Premier League opponent in Leicester. We saw that in the first half. They were able to match them. They were able to rattle them. But as soon as Leicester equalised, you could see that difference. Leicester just relaxed. The, yeah, the quality yeah. shone through. And it was a bit of a soft penalty, actually, I thought, that it was. Leicester ahead. But, yeah. but, but overall, they just as the game wore on, you could see that, that difference in quality. So there's still a long way to go, but they're bridging that gap. You know, If this game had been maybe a year ago or two years ago, it would have been much more comfortable for Leicester. So definitely progress. And you might, might have been different had, had uh, Tony been playing, Tovey, uh, Brentford's leading scorer. Uh, what's his name's replacement? The guy who went to Villa. Ollie, yeah, Ollie yeah. yeah. He, the, the guy they bought, he's done quite well as well. All right. Well done to Leicester City. Uh, they're in uh, uh, for a good run in the cup. We're off for another break. You stick with us. More FA Cup. And we're going to look at the full midweek fixture list as well stay tuned they are off and running in 2021 off the ball on bfm 89.9 five yards out unchallenged unmarked makes absolutely no mistake off the ball on bfm 89.9 hey thanks for sticking with us uh, still us here ross along with craig wilkie nicholas anil and goglin looking back at the weekend's fa cup fourth round action um fulham nil burnley three uh was well i i guess fulham don't need the distraction of the fa cup and it was a good win for burnley burnley are in good form at the moment aren't they craig wilkie they certainly are they they took some confidence i'm sure from their premier league winner anfield which uh, I, will, I will give them some credit for however reluctantly and and they carried that confidence and they carried that form into the fa cup tie the weekend and 
the slightly surprising thing for me was how comfortable a win it was. And I think it's, it's a little bit difficult to try and figure out to what extent that was because Burnley were so good or yeah. whether Fulham just really didn't turn up and, and play very well. I, I, think, I think we saw a little bit of both of that. And pretty, pretty poor signs from a Fulham point of view, honestly, because some of the frailties that we've discussed before that they've suffered this season were all back. That defensive weakness, a little bit of a lack of intensity in places, some individual errors that were costing them, all of those were there in the game. Now, credit to Burnley for the fact that they were on top of Fulham from the first minute. It reminded me a little bit more of a Burnley performance of old, you know, going yeah. back to maybe a couple of seasons ago yeah. where they were, they, were, they were pressing, they were committing players further forward, putting lots of crosses into the box, trying to be physical. Now, you can say it's an old-fashioned, it's a, it's a simple style of football, but when you play it well, it can be a very effective way of playing the game. And so it turned out at the weekend, and they were 3-0. I mean, it wouldn't have flattered them, to be honest, if it, it turned out 4 or 5-0. So very comfortable for Burnley in the end. And I think not just in the context of this game, but you, know, you, were, you were actually kind of alluding to the fact of where both those sides are in, in the Premier League table. And mm. it will be such a big confidence boost for Burnley to have gone away to a relegation rival away from home and come away with as comfortable a victory as that. So they will, they will have a spring in their step now as they go on to the next fixtures and Fulham really need to pick themselves up quickly. Yeah, uh, for Fulham, uh, Nick, let's just leave off with uh, Mitrovic. He's been disappointing. He hasn't been the Mitrovic that Fulham have needed this season, right? Yeah, he hasn't been the Mitrovic that, that uh, shone for Fulham last season and, and was one of the catalysts to take them back into the Premier League. And when you have a focal point of attack and when you're so dependent on a, a talented striker like Mitrovic and you know when he sort of peters off the radar, then you have big problems up front because they were looking to Kamara to provide the goals. And, yeah. and Kamara is not the player Mitrovic is, not by any standard. And, uh, you know, uh, if, if a player like Mitrovic is not putting in a shift that is required of him, then Fulham are really, you know, they, are, they already got a small squad. You know, they don't have many quality players all around the park that they could turn to. So, you know, a lot has been expected from Mitrovic and um, he failed to deliver. Uh, it will really be a tough season for Scott Parker. I know it's his first season back uh, in the Premier League. You know, he did well to get them uh, from the championship, but this is the test that he's got to face and, you know, he's up against it. Yeah. All right. Well, Burnley through to round five. Of course, they've got league action in midweek. Tell you about that later. Everton three. Sheffield Wednesday nil was the 4 a.m. game early this morning. Everton eased past the championship strugglers. Uh, you look at them here. The guys on Friday, Gogs, were saying that Everton need a cup run. They probably need a cup win. And that would be sure sign of progression under An Ancelotti, right? Yes, I agree completely with what they are saying. You know, with uh, Ancelotti's project here, a cup run and a cup win will cement nicely for the season going forward. I mean, they're doing well in the league and all that, and the Champions League is uh, position is looking possibility. But to really cement what his project is, I think a cup run and a cup win, especially, would be right up there. This was not just. Uh, I mean, okay, they were playing uh, Championship side, but. You had players coming back and, and you saw James Rodriguez, Craig Wilkie, put in a good shift here. You add to that Richarlison. Then you've got Calvert-Lewin's goals this season. They're onto something here this season. And it's got to happen this season, you feel, for Everton, right? 
starting to look like they're onto something. Uh, a player like Rodriguez is such a joy to watch almost every time he plays. And he, he might be one of those players that you question before he arrived in, the, in England in the Premier League, whether he would really be up for it in a game like that. You know, snowy pitch against lower league opposition in the FA Cup. And he, he was, you know, he, he really ran that game and, and contributed a lot to the side. And it's a very, very positive sign for Everton. I think we talked about it before in the previous round about how seriously Everton were taking the FA Cup. You could tell, when I, as soon as I saw that team selection, I thought, wow, you know, this, this was an opportunity to rest players yeah. if, if Ancelotti had, had decided to do so. But he, he didn't appear interested in that at all. And I don't think it's just about getting through that tie, getting into the next round of the Cup. I think it's about setting expectations. It's about setting standards. It's about setting a culture of winning about the club that every single time that you take the field for Everton, there's an expectation on you now that comes from me, that comes from these supporters, that comes from the club hierarchy about what we want and, and how we want to take this club forward. And as, as Gokes was mentioning, it's, I think to have some silverware to back that up is, is such a huge thing. And Ancelotti, he's a very experienced manager. He's been around. He knows that the confidence that that can give players if you actually can get it over the line and actually, actually win some silverware at the end of the season. So... Everton are in this to win it and they are looking like a very good shout for the FA Cup this season. Everton have now won 15 of their 23 matches in all competitions this season. That's a success rate of 65%. That is just one fewer than they managed the entire of last season. Just a measure of how Angelotti has progressed. Everton through to the fifth round draw. Of course, there is one more fourth round tie. It's happening tonight. Uh, early tomorrow morning, Wickham Wanderers are taking on Spurs. Is this a potential banana skin? Do, do Jose's millionaires fancy a wintry Monday night in Wickham? It's actually not that far from Tottenham. <laughs> but Gogs, um, there's a lot of talk about Gareth Bale. Um, he's going to be given a run out, but he's not been used as much in the league. Spent most of his time on the bench. Big game for Gareth. <laughs> a big game and we can wonder as it speaks of the volumes of what Gareth Bale is, has, where is Gareth Bale right now? But I think we spoke of this off camera early on and then what Craig was saying that, you know, he needs to earn his place regardless of where he's coming from. This first side is purring along nicely. They're, I mean, they have got depth in every squad. Sone and Kane have this magical Jedi type of understanding. And so, you know, where is he going to fit in this team? And he needs game time and he doesn't have game time. He'll pick up game time from uh, games like this. And he has to prove. And I think uh, you alluded that he's not actually pulling up the sticks at the training, right? So I think the games, FA Cups, and uh, he needs to earn his place is basically what I'm trying to say. And I don't think he's been earning his place. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about Wickham Wanderers, but I was reading, Nicholas Arnold, that Gareth Ainsworth says he's 100% sure he can put out a team because players are coming back from recovering from COVID. (laughs) They actually haven't played for a while. So that doesn't help. Um, but yeah, and then you've got the millionaires of Spurs. You've got Son Hyun Min, you've got Harry Kane, you've got Gareth Bale coming at you. Yeah, I mean, they haven't played since 9th January and to be out of competitive action for close to three weeks and then coming to face an informed Spurs side mm-hmm. who are likely to put out their best squad, does not, it doesn't make for good reading for, for Wickham. You know? um, if, if anything, I think they would, they would try and reflect back... Uh, and, you know, in their encounter with, with Spurs four years ago, uh, when they were leading um, right up till the 89th minute. Yeah, you know, almost, almost got the better of Spurs. Yeah. 
So perhaps some sort of inspiration could be derived from there uh, coming into this game. But um, beyond that, I, I do not see anything other than a Spurs win, a convincing Spurs win. Jose Mourinho says that he's going to take a strong squad to Adams Park. Wickham Wanderers against Spurs is a Tuesday 3.45 a.m. kickoff. Just to recap the round five ties then, uh, matches we pay, played uh, February the 8th onwards, it's Burnley against Bournemouth or Crawley Town. That's the other round four tie to be played. Man United versus West Ham. Sheffield United against Bristol City. Uh, Wolves against Southampton. That one could be tasty. Barnsley against Chelsea. Swansea against Man City. Swansea beat Forest 5-1 to face uh, Man City. That could be uh, another mauling. <laughs> Leicester City against Brighton. And it's Everton against the winners of Wickham Wanderers or Tottenham Hotspur. Right, that's your FA Cup in a nutshell. We're off for our final break. You stay tuned. Back talking about the EPL. For this season, off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Craig Wilkie, Nicholas Anil and Gogolin here to look at all the midweek action. Uh, match week 20 happening uh, over the week and it's Crystal Palace against West Ham United I can't believe I'm reading this Gogs Inform West Ham are looking to make it six wins in a row I said six wins in a row in all competition I know I mean I, David I Moyes David West Moyes effect. Ham the David Moyes effect is taking into full effect right now I mean I, West Ham have got a settled squad right now they've got they're playing in with confidence causing through the reins they, the football on the weekend was uh, exemplary, especially. So, I know, the, uh, this is a London derby, so, you know, I expect uh, West Ham to take three points. Also. Easy yeah, the, three points, actually. The Hammers are nine places above uh, the Eagles, but Crystal Palace are well-rested. Of course, they weren't involved in the FA Cup. That one is a Wednesday 2 a.m. kickoff. Now, Newcastle United versus Leeds United, Nicholas Arnil. Uh I'm sad to say that it's two out-of-form teams meeting at St. James's Park. It's a fair analogy, I, I feel. Um, maybe not, Ross. Maybe <laughs> not. Uh, Newcastle have not won in 10 matches. So, you know, they have uh, problems of their own. Uh, and, and, you know, I think this is... Uh, Leeds couldn't have asked for a better fixture than to face a struggling Newcastle side. Uh, I can see goals. I can see Leeds finally ending their goal drought against the struggling uh, Newcastle defence. We saw how bad they were in, in the FA Cup defeat against Villa. You know, Villa could have scored more than 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 two goals. And um, league, I think league, league has, game, yeah, a league game, yeah, exactly. So um, in uh, in in this game, I think uh, Bielsa will now, you know, uh, he has he had has had ten days to sort out his team to sort out all the issues. Uh, that has plagued Leeds, and I expect them to come at Newcastle from the get-go. Um, I think it will be a, a Newcastle, a Leeds United victory. Sticking with the with this tie for a little bit, Craig Wilkie, the Geordies have lost five in a row in all competitions. They are winless in ten. I was reading that uh, they, they're sticking with Steve Bruce, whether the fans like it or not. I mean, do you think he's getting a rough deal? I mean, 
there, there, there were articles over the weekend uh, showing stats that Rafa, Newcastle under Rafa, Newcastle under Steve Bruce, they're not that much different, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very tough for Steve Bruce. For me, Rafa was slightly overhyped at Newcastle. I, I don't think his record was, was all that brilliant. I don't think some of the football was all that brilliant that Rafa was playing at Newcastle. But he had this bond with the fans and he was able to get away with a lot on that basis and he was held up as a bit of a hero for them. And those fans, to be fair, are the definition of long-suffering. They've been through a lot in the last, you know, I don't know how far back you want to go, uh, a very long time. And I think, you know, football fans are, we're dreamers first and foremost, and Newcastle fans would come into that category, but you become realists over time as well. They know where the club is. They know they're not expecting to be challenging for the Champions League or something like that. But I think where the real frustration comes in for fans is if you don't see that hope, you know, if, if, you, if you're looking at a game and I, I follow some Newcastle fans on Twitter and they're saying, I, I don't even care anymore. You know, I don't know if I'll get up to watch it or not because I know what's going to happen. I know what team he's going to set out. I know how we're going to play. I know what the result is probably going to be as a consequence of that. So I think that's, that's the challenge that Newcastle fans are having. That they, Even if there's bad results, they don't see a project or they don't see where the club is going in a, in a positive yeah, direction. Yeah. And that makes it very difficult to, to get excited about what's happening. And Steve Bruce, I, don't, I think he's more of a symptom than the cause of all of that. But he's, it's obviously going to be a difficult time for him as, as things, things like that go on around the club as a whole. Mike Ashley doesn't look like he's going to scarper off anytime soon as well. Uh, Newcastle versus Leeds United then could have loads of goals, says the guys. Wednesday, 2 a.m. kickoff. Southampton versus Arsenal. It's the second time that these two sides have met in four days. Um, Gogs, we expect a better performance from Arteta's Arsenal this time around. I think uh, the dejection they fell after being knocked out of the FA Cup, which is uh, called the Arsene Wenger Invitational Trophy, actually. I don't know really. Uh, so they will, really be, <laughs> they will be rallying themselves up for this one. And I think uh, the players should be up for it. And uh, we spoke about how Southampton have been doing a good stuff with their project and everything. And they have a great settled side, but Arsenal will have a lot to prove for this game. And I expect them to show a bit more fight and grit than the FA Cup game. Yeah. Um, Mikel Arteta, of course, with a week to go in the transfer window. Arsenal have been strongly linked with uh, Martin Odegaard, the Danish wonder kid at one point uh, from Real Madrid. He's been on at Sociedad, a uh, successful season he had last season. I mean, Arteta is going to have to get, I mean, realistically, Nick, it has to be a top six finish. They have to at least make Europa League. Isn't that the KIV? Uh, the, 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 the main main sticking point, the main point for them. I think after after winning the FA Cup uh, last season, uh, Arteta will be expected to at least deliver another silverware. Uh, seeing that the FA Cup is now out of the question, uh, you know, uh, then I don't think it's even a top six finish. I think he would be expected to push for a top four finish, you know, especially looking at the form that Arsenal has been in the league. Um, and as Gok mentioned, you know, this, this gives Arteta and team the added impetus to go and try and uh, reverse that loss to Southampton. It's a good thing that you know, uh, they, both teams are facing each other uh, so quickly after their defeat. Arteta you know, has the chance to, to immediately get the wrongs right. And uh, I think that the wrongs have been in the attack. Uh, they somehow need to get goals from somewhere. Abu Mayang, I expect him to be still out. He was missing because of personal reasons. So, you know, the likes of Lacazette, Nicola Pepe, Villian, all, all these players will have to come up with something. And uh, it, it, it will be 
three points or, or nothing. Because if Arsenal lose this game, then the pressure is immediately back on Arteta. No question about that. Yeah, a chance for Ralph Hasenhutl to really get another one over Mikel Arteta here. Wednesday, 4.15am, Southampton versus Arsenal. West Brom versus Man City is also Wednesday, 4.15. Uh, the Baggies come into this one. Craig Wilkie off the loss of a 2-1 loss to, to West Ham uh, on Tuesday night. Sam Allardyce, if he's going to do Sam Allardyce stuff in the Midlands, is going to have to now look at things like this, big, big games, uh, and, and think, I'm going to have to try and get something out of this, aren't I? Big ask for Big Sam, a game like this. Yeah. <laughs> this Massive. You know, it's been interesting since he came in at West Brom. I haven't detected a massive bounce or a massive turnaround. I think he's steadied things up a little bit. He's he's done some of what we might have expected of, of Big Sam. He's tightened them up a little bit at the back and maybe tried to to push them forward a little bit. But, you know, Bilic was a fairly progressive kind of a coach. You know, I think Bilic wanted to get the ball down and, and play football. So Sam might have a, a slightly different way of playing. but And it will take a little bit of time for players to adapt to very different managerial styles. Um, I don't think it really matters that much, though, if, if you face an informed city as they're, they're slowly coming back into top gear in many ways. We were, we were talking about yeah, earlier, yeah. you know, just, just starting to purr a little bit. And I know the guys spoke about Phil Foden and every time I see him, he impresses me more. Yeah. He's, he's got so much to his game. And, and what he's added this season is goals. And the, the goal he scored at the weekend, in many ways, it was a simple finish, but it was so composed the way he did it. And that's just the kind of quality that he brings to that team. And to be honest, the, the quality that Manchester City have throughout that front three, the midfield three. And actually, that's, that's been a big difference. Again, we're talking about, about the Aguero being missing and what that can mean in terms of goals for City. They've managed to spread goals throughout the side. The midfield have chipped in with goals, even the back four have chipped yeah. in with goals versus the Liverpool situation, whereby the front three aren't, aren't firing and then they've really struggled for goals in mm. the last month. So I think that that ability that City have to hit you from almost anywhere on the park and have a goal threat is, is what's picking them up so many points. And I expect they'll have far too much for West Brom. In this Reports game. saying that Ahmad Musa, former Leicester City forward, it could be signing for West Brom. Uh, yeah, Big Sam's a bit desperate there. Uh, 4.15, that one kicks off. West Brom, Man City. Burnley versus Aston Villa. Gox is an all claret and blue tie. Uh, clash. Um, and, and I, well, Villa are, are in good form. I mean, they've got games in hand as well. Let's not forget. It could work out very nicely. Yeah, we, we're in a sweet spot right now. We're playing really good football, good to watch football, entertaining football. And uh, yes, we have those, uh, we have two games in hands now and two, that will bring us up to third or fourth, fourth, sorry. But again, uh, we need to get the momentum, keep the momentum going. We had the COVID scare, the players came back and I thought, it was a good game, good to play Newcastle, especially after that game, because it yeah. was more like a training session than anything else. But uh, we need to get the, we need to have a bit more clinical. I hope Watkins has uh, discovered his scoring form again, because we need him scoring. And uh, not to mention that Burnley are back on a winning streak now, and they are showing slowly creeping up on form. So it will be a really good uh, test of our credentials to play yeah. against teams like Burnley right now. Thursday, 2 a.m., Burnley versus Aston. Early kickoff, 2 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Chelsea versus Wolves is also Thursday, 2 a.m. Um, we didn't actually mention Billy Gilmore, who I thought put in a great shift for Chelsea in the FA Cup tie. Apparently, he could be on his way out on loan because Chelsea have just 
plethora of midfielders, midfielders for fun. Um, but this one is is a pressure game, Nicholas Arnil, for Frank Lampard. Wolves are, well, they've they've been hurt this season. They're out to prove a point. They've got players capable as well. Yeah, I thought uh, Wolves were really unfortunate not to come away with results uh, in some of their recent matches. You look at the game against United where you know they lost uh, right late, at the death. Late on, yeah. Yeah, and then against West Brom as well, I thought they played really well, but you know, a couple of soft goals, uh, uh, and they were undone. And so I expect them to, you know, rectify those issues and and start off really strong against uh, Chelsea. Um, they seem to have solved the uh, striker issue uh, by signing uh, William Jose from uh, Real Sociedad. I'm not sure if he's going to start. Uh, he may come off the bench. But uh, we know what Wolves are about. Uh, you know, they like to attack um, with pace. They're very physical. Uh, if they want to be, you know, they, they use uh, their, their fullbacks and their wingbacks uh, to provide penetration from the flanks. And I expect them to cause Chelsea a lot of problems. If they can uh, match Chelsea uh, in the first half an hour, I think they can expect to take away the result. Uh, and if they score first, then Chelsea will have big problems. Yeah, then Lampard might not actually last the season, I tell you, because <laughs> Roman is, is Roman, isn't he? Uh, Chelsea versus Wolves, Thursday, 2 a.m. Uh, Brighton versus Fulham, Craig Wilkie. It could be, a, I guess it's classified as a relegation battle. Two progressive coaches up against each other. Um, Brighton, I guess, slight favourites with the upper hand here. Uh, Fulham need the points now. Yeah, exactly that. I, we talked about Fulham earlier in the show, and I, I have a lot of admiration for Scott Parker as a young manager, the way he wants to play the game. I think he does want his sides to get the ball down. He wants to play out from the back and all of that. And it, it's great to see when it works. But too many times he's been undone from it this season, either from individual mistakes or because teams have been able to put pressure on them and, and play high up against, against Fulham. And, and they just haven't picked up enough points. And they find themselves in, in real, real trouble now. And over the course of the next maybe month or two, you're not going to get relegated in that period, but you can find yourself getting adrift. And you can find yourself getting adrift from the likes of, of Brighton if, if you don't start to turn around results quite quickly. And so he, he knows that, and he'll be impressing upon the players how important it is to try and pick up some results quickly, just to give them a bit of confidence, to give them a bit of momentum, because they'll be hurting after, after that performance and that, that result in the FA Cup as well. So I think Brighton will feel as though this is a game where they can give themselves a little bit of insurance. This is, this is a home game against a side that's in the, in the bottom three. This is a really important one from their point of view to try and take three points and make sure that they don't get really dragged right down into that relegation scrap. Yeah. Thursday, 3.30 a.m. That one, Brighton against Fulham. Everton versus Leicester City. Two clubs, Gogs, with uh, Champions League aspirations. Um, big game. I mean, we, we spoke briefly about the Everton and Chalotti project. Um, this is a big test because we know Leicester are a good side. Leicester are a good side. They are without Wadi, but uh, they are playing really, really good football, really attacking football. And Everton will have their work cut out for them. This is a tie of, uh, you know, two teams who are basically set out similarly against each other and will be probably be going at each other hammers and thongs, you know, because it's uh, they, they literally have nothing to lose and they are in positions where they are they be Leicester have uh, good value for their money right now, and Everton are showing that they are coming up as we good pretenders for them. It's going to be a really good game to watch this one. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I reckon there'll be loads of goals in that one, 
Everton, but we're probably wrong. Uh, Everton. <laughs> now that we said it. Well, the, the thing is, they're all like 4, 5 a.m. kickoff and you get one wrong and people go, you made me stay up, didn't you? Hey, you can always yeah. start running at six, tell them. <laughs> <laughs> Everton, Leicester, then Thursday, 4.15 a.m. Man United versus Sheffield United is also Thursday, 4.15. It's a chance for Man United to unbelievably put more of a gap between themselves and the challengers. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, Nicholas Arnil, but yeah, it's uh, top of the tape, top versus bottom. Not a lot to yeah. say, really. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, United couldn't have asked for a better fixture than, than this game, especially after that energy sapping victory over Liverpool. You know, uh, they host Sheffield United. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what lineup Ole puts out because... Uh, I thought some of the players that were given a chance, like Dean Henderson, did really well. You know, perhaps uh, Ole might want to go with him again, just looking at, at this particular tie. And maybe an uh, extended run, run out for uh, Donny van der Beek, uh, whom I think needs a little bit more time. He was tidy and neat, you know, but nothing too impressive. But perhaps with, with more game time, you know, he will show what he's, he's really made of. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't see anything uh, beyond a uh, comprehensive uh, Man United win. It's just... Uh, for Chris Wilder to perhaps uh, do damage limitation, you know, to try and, and stifle the United attack as much as possible. But uh, it will only be time before United break that, that, uh, that defence. And it's just a case of how many goals will they score against this struggling Sheffield United side. Thursday, 4.15am, Man United against Sheffield United. Arguably the standout tie of the midweek fixtures. Tottenham against Liverpool, Friday, 4am, Craig Wilkie. Um, it's difficult to talk about Tottenham because as we speak to you now, they haven't actually played Wickham yet. So let's focus on Liverpool here. We know what happened in the FA Cup. We know how Klopp is feeling. Salah looks to be in good nick. Uh, good goal against uh, Hen- uh, uh, Henderson in the United goal. Pressure more on Jurgen Klopp, you feel, going into this one? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, we, we saw a lot of good cup ties over the weekend. The, the one thing that was really missing was a shock, unless you count that Manchester United win against Liverpool, I suppose. Hey. Um, <laughs> but I think, as we mentioned before, Klopp will have come out of that game feeling a bit better. I mean, definitely disappointed not to have won, but some signs that his team were getting back to the sort of form that he would hope to see them in. Um, but when I've looked at Klopp's demeanour over the last few weeks there's definitely been some signs that he's feeling the pressure. We've seen him get a little bit angsty, perhaps, with some journalists who've been asking him questions that he hasn't particularly enjoyed. We saw, of course, the, the tunnel bust up with Sean Dyche last week. And to me, it just points a little bit to a man who's starting to feel the pressure, maybe for the first time in the, during his tenure at Liverpool, where, by and large, things have gone his way, and you can see that very clear progression that, that he's taken Liverpool through. And this is maybe the first real sticky patch that, that he's hit over, over that period. So it's important, I think, how Liverpool come out of that. And there's not much time because we've spoken about United and the, the form that they're in, the momentum. We've spoken about how City are coming up. Liverpool, you know, you don't win the league in January, but you can start to lose it in January and February. You can start to become detached from the teams at the top. So Liverpool can't afford to, to start dropping too many more points after the run that they've been on. And not an easy place to go, Spurs away and, and kind of turn things around. But Liverpool will have to look at this game as a, as a huge game to try and get back on track. And I think we will see as, as full a strength side as Klopp can possibly put out to go and get that job done. And, and let's see. But I think it's, like you say, tie, tie it around and uh, could be a very interesting game. 
All right, brilliant stuff. Low block Tottenham against Liverpool is a Friday 4 a.m. kickoff. That's it. We're out of time. Uh, enjoy the midweek football. I'm going to say thanks to Gogolin. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Nicholas Arnil. Cheers, Ross. And thank you, Craig Wilkie. Thanks, Ross. Sleep is overrated anyway, so let's just stick with it. He is spot on. He is spot on. 4 a.m. game, man. Wake up 4 a.m., watch football, then run. Have a safe and safe week, everybody. Bye-bye. Off the Ball, every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.